Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful future exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life, and for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topic and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now here's your host, Julie Keys. Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the podcast show for business owners. In this episode, we're going to be talking with an award-winning Twin Cities journalist whose column has appeared in the Star Tribune's business section for the past nine years and who I had the honor of being interviewed by a couple months back. He's going to share some insights with us and highlights about his years in the middle market as a strategist and advisor with the mergers and acquisitions world. Before we do that, though, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to hear from our show sponsors, Sunbelt Business Advisors and JAK CPAs. You give your business everything, but now you have a decision to make. Should you grow or go? Every business owner will exit their business someday. It's a big personal and financial decision. The best business owners know what their business is worth, and they know their options. Sunbelt Business Advisors can help you understand what your business is worth now and how to net the most when you sell. And if your business isn't ready for sale, we will show you how to get it ready. Here's the best part. Sunbelt gets paid when you get paid at the closing table. And if you aren't ready to exit your business right now, but you want to know what your company is worth, Sunbelt will meet with you for no charge, no cost, no commitment, absolutely confidentially. So whether you're ready to go or still working on your grow, meet with Sunbelt now. The world's largest business brokerage firm is ready to help you. Call 612-455-0880. 612-455-0880. That's 612-455-0880. Or go to sunbeltminnesota.com. sunbeltminnesota.com. Many business owners planning a business transition often feel overwhelmed and don't know where to start. I'm Kyla Hansen, a partner at JAK CPAs. We can guide you to make sense of the numbers and the tax pieces of your transition. Leaving your business successfully takes time, so contact us today to discuss your situation. Visit our website at www.jakcpa.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today with Lee Schaefer, who is an award-winning business and economics columnist for the Star Tribune and a former mergers and acquisitions advisor. Lee, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Wonderful. I'm really looking forward to hearing about some of your travels in the business world. I know that there are going to be so many that you'd like to share. We don't have a lot of time, but I'm sure that you've got some highlights. It's just an honor to have you on the show because, you know, so many people know who you are, but I bet a lot of people don't know that you spent a lot of years in that space. Before we get to that, though, I would like to um, just have you share a little bit about your background. I understand that you grew up on a cattle farm um, what a great way to learn entrepreneurism. <laughs> um, well, that's true. You know, I'm, a, I'm from Western Martin County, which is uh, where I-90 crosses the southern tier of the of counties in the southwest part of the state. I went to McAllister College and played on the uh, uh, famously bad football team. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, sort of figured out what to do in life. I, I did, do, did do journalism for a while. And in order to move my career forward, I thought I had to move to New York, and I didn't want to do that. Mm. And I got recruited to go over to one of the broker-dealers as an analyst. Mm. Uh, but then 
the CEO didn't like something I had written or some such, and that sort of evaporated. But now I was kind of compromised, you know, because I, co- I covered that beat, and, uh, and I thought I needed to leave. So I ended up going to a company called Atrium, publicly held. Uh, I was a vice president, and I was put in charge with mergers and acquisitions. Uh, we had a growth acquisition strategy, and I knew nothing. Mm-hmm. I literally, everything I did there, I did for the first time. You know, Lee, fly to Boston and see if you can buy these guys. Okay, right, <laughs> Roger. And I, and I knew to go get an airline ticket, and that was about all I needed to do. Wow. How um, did you get your... And I had a lot of support. Had a lot of support. That's what I did. How did you prepare for something like that? Well, I mean, it's just like... I once met a guy who was a salesperson, and he said, well, you know, I'll be a salesperson my whole life. I'm never going to... These are the skills I brought to business, and he'll do different roles, but he's always a salesperson. And then I met this woman who's an auditor, and she says, auditing is how I think about the world, and auditing is how I, uh, it's just the way my brain works. And, and mm-hmm. she, of course, at this point was a managing director of, of, of investment banking, but I'll always be an auditor. And, and I thought about that. I was like, well, I'll always, maybe I'll always be a reporter. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I would go about it. I go collect information. I talk to people. Um, you know, I go to trade shows and and wander around, and, and people are surprisingly open with you. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd figure out who's an opportunity to buy. Um, I, I worked in my my career. I only worked on one public company to public company deal. Or I guess two. Um, there's almost always privately held companies. Yes. You know, Owner entrepreneur controlled that mm-hmm. I would talk to. Well, that's good to know and, because uh, our listeners are are in that world. Well, I think the big thing is find out what find out what their motivations are mm-hmm. uh, in life, um, and they almost always are stuck in that situation where they've got a successful business. They know they can't run it when they're a hundred. How mm-hmm. do they get out? Mm-hmm. They got a lot of value built up, but they can't get money out because they need the capital to support the balance sheet, all these sorts of things. And I, I just listen to people. Well, I think that that's, that's where the magic is because then you can really find out what it is that motivates them. And, you know, not everybody wants the same thing at the end of the day when it comes to transitioning from a business, but with your background, um, that's, I mean, how, how well you set yourself up for doing what you do now, all those years in the M&A space, um, just giving, getting that understanding on, you know, the subjects and the people that you feature in your column right now. I don't know, firsthand knowledge for me has been invaluable because I owned businesses most of my adult life. And it just makes me a better advisor. So, you know, I think it's just your firsthand knowledge that really makes the difference for your readers, too. It's not just theoretical, yeah. you know? Yeah, and that was why they, that's why I got recruited to start to be in the first place. Mm-hmm. I mean, they wanted somebody who could write with authority about business having been in business. Mm-hmm. You know, corporate officer, you know, advisor to businesses. I'd been on boards of directors. And yes. um, that's what, that was, they thought that, that they hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the basis of how I, I came down to the Star Tribune in the first place. And, and I, I didn't realize at the time what an experiment this was, you know, and what the odds of success were, and or I probably wouldn't have done it. But uh, anyway, that's the story there. But, but here you are nine years later, and you've won a couple of awards, national awards. So. Yeah, it did work out. But mm-hmm. boy, that first year was tough, I'll tell you. 
Yeah. I, I, well, oh, there's my. a learning curve, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so you've like you just mentioned, you have spent some time, actually a lot of time, actually doing the work. Right, you said like as a director, as um, as a board member, as a partner in a firm, all with that middle market focus. I'm thinking right. that you probably have some pretty interesting, memorable experiences that you could share. So, um, are there a couple that you would be willing to share with us? Of I'm yeah, there's a yeah. I mean, there's a couple that I just viewed as as sort of you know better teaching moments than others. Mm. Um, and I, since our client situations, I'm a little hesitant. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the companies are still around, but uh, it's a middle market company had a had a desire to enter a, a, a space for what I call wearable technology in healthcare. Mm. Um, you know, it's like your your smartwatch is now a version of that, but this is a few years ago. Mm. And it was it was a lot of interest in this space, venture capital money, um, you know, big tech companies from Silicon Valley had an interest in it. Um, but, you know, we found this guy in greater San Diego that produced, you know, sort of wearable devices that used for cardiac monitoring, which was a thing, right? That's a business, also called Holter Monitor, has been mm-hmm. out there a long time. And he was an owner, entrepreneur, engineer, and uh, he had a successful business. But boy, I don't know how many hours he put into this, mm. but it was a lot. Wow! And um, and he was always, you know, sort of on the edge in terms of, uh, you know, some sort of some sort of misstep or, you know, good news is he gets a big order. Bad news is he has to actually build them. You know, it was one of those businesses, and. Uh, and we just got to know him um, mm. and got to know, you know, his team a little bit. And uh, this, uh, we wandered into this brewery that looked a little bit like Fred Flintstone built it. It turned out it was <laughs> called the Stone Brewery. And we just, you know, sat in, under the umbrella and talked about the business and, and, you know, what his goals were. And that's a great way to get to know somebody. Yes. You know, you're not talking deal or valuation, but he needed to get out. He needed to get out in a way that allowed his uh, business to remain intact. That was one of his goals. Sure. He, you know, he wanted to be paid fairly. You know, obviously another one of his goals. Um, and he wanted to like the people who were going to take the thing over. And he never varied from those three goals. Those are really important goals. Um, he thought that this was going to be a difficult or contentious negotiation, and and a carload of lawyers were going to arrive from Los Angeles and beat him up. And I just, you know, let's just not do it. And if this is going to be, you know, if, you, if you're trying to buy this cheap, and by the way, I don't know how privately held companies are valued, you know, but if your goal is to buy cheap, you know, let's just please not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that that was uh, just a very, very direct and, and decent person to deal with, and um, you know, so that I thought that was a, a you know a great example of how to go into a transaction. If there's going to be a transaction, mm-hmm. say what you want, uh, keep saying it. Yeah. Um, don't vary, um, you know, or come up with new conditions or new things or, um, you know, and and by the way, when it comes time to roll around the contracts. Um, 
you know, get a good advisor to make sure the contract says what, what you think it does, and, and that was just a really nice way to go about it. Um, turned out to be a very pleasant. Of the things that I did that closed, that was one of the most pleasant mm. because the guy who we met uh, and the guy who showed up to closing was exactly the same person, and mm. that was, you know, a really nice experience. I bet it was. Are you still in touch with him? I'm not. I'm still in touch with the the buying company, my client. You know, mm-hmm. um, and they were they're you know, one of the things that I always marked marked a successful consulting relationship is if the people were friends, and uh, that had happened to me almost all the time, and it was always you know a lot of fun. Um, so that was um, you know that I, I mean I've often described that for people that this is how you sort of go about it. Mm-hmm. Write down what what's important to you. Mm-hmm. Write down what makes it important to you, and now the buyer at least knows. Yes. You know. Um, oh, by the way, you have to bring my whole team on for three-year contracts. Well, you never said that before. You know, we're <laughs> yeah. 14 days from closing. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, oh, by the way, you have to buy this building. Oh, yeah. Details, details. <laughs> yeah, we're 14 days from closing. You know? So anyway, I think that's, uh, that was a really nice way to do it. And yeah. he was intuitive. This is the first and only mm-hmm. time he'll ever sell a business. Um, he just, that's just the way he did business. And that, that is um, basically the MO of most entrepreneurs out there. It's the, most of the time, it's the largest financial transaction of their life, and it's a one-time thing. Not everybody is a serial entrepreneur. Most people aren't. So you're right. And I love that you guys had that approach of um, you know, establishing value and establishing a relationship to make sure that it was a fit. Right. So smart. Yeah, it- yeah, and you, I do also think this is, you have to live with somebody for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know of industries where they're, they're being consolidated, like um, broker industries for healthcare benefits. You know, there's big firms just going around and buying up, you know, the little guys. Um, little guys, by the way, could be pretty considerable businesses in the, in the scheme of things. But um, it just sort of feels like a machine, you know. Well, this is this is our standard term sheet, and this is the way we do things, and this yeah. is, you know, you can, it sort of feels like the way, you know, John D. Rockefeller consolidated the oil industry. Mm-hmm. You know, you can either do our deal or we'll crush you. Yeah. And, you know, we're kind of indifferent as to which one you pick. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's not any fun. No. Um, so anyway, get to know somebody a little bit, listen to them, listen to what they want. Mm-hmm. Um and sometimes you can't give people what they want, but uh, you can certainly treat them with respect and listen to them mm-hmm. you know, at the outset. Well, when it comes to acquiring another business, there's always going to be an integration period. And the more you know who they are and the more of a match the two companies are, not just in um, you know strategy, right, making sure that it's a fit, but also culture and philosophy, it's going to make the integration period a lot more successful. Mm-hmm. That's another aspect that I did. I kind of learned the hard way, and this goes back to when I was doing this work for Atrium, which, by the way, had a, had a team of, of savvy people. Um, mm-hmm. The chief financial officer was quite skilled at due diligence, and we had an in-house attorney who was as good as anybody. Um, but this this idea of integration, you know, just we had this philosophy that um, you don't want to move too fast post-closing or the people will leave. Yes. But on the other hand, that's what they expected. It's like, 
hey, we're no longer Ajax manufacturing. We're now Acme manufacturing. Tell us what you want. Mm -hmm. Oh, just keep doing what you're doing. Well, that ultimately didn't really work that well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and so the idea that you have to, you know, integrate a business and, and, and be very clear and be very specific and, and communicate and then communicate again and then communicate again. You know, go back down to the office and say precisely what you said 30 days previous. All that is hard work, but it's all really worth doing. Definitely. Because you're making the, you're making the business part of you now as opposed to, you know, sort of a bolt-on, you know, like a holding company. Yes. And uh, that's what the seller expected. That's why well, that's, well, maybe not the seller, but that's what the seller's ex- people expected. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, there's a there was once a great book that um, I think was about uh, was done by John Chambers, a Silicon Valley guy, um, where he was maybe interviewed about uh, you know how to do integration successfully because what you're capturing, what you want to capture, are the people who who have the know-how, mm-hmm. and if you chase them out, well, you might have bought some technology or you might have bought a customer relationship, but you didn't buy what you you didn't really get the value you were expecting. Um, Mm-hmm. And uh, somewhere in my office downtown, which I no longer go to, uh, <laughs> is that book. Uh, um, but that, that's worth that kind of thing is worth thinking through as well if you're a buyer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just when the seller wants the legacy to continue in some way, um, and the buyer respects that, then you still have at the end of the day, you still have all the logistics of putting two companies together, and um, that's a lot harder to do, right? Especially with it seems like when an integration is occurring that there isn't actually a very good plan put together ahead of time. Maybe it's because people are thinking, well, the deal's not done, so we don't want to spend time and money on it. But you have to have some kind of idea of how it's all going to happen, don't you? Yeah, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, agreeing to work it out together is it's not a terrible answer. But, um, you know, you first have to make it one company. You just have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that might mean that your business process becomes their business process. It, it might be that your business process is less sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Well, you still have to do it that way. So you also had ownership in a firm or two, correct? Yeah, no, I mm-hmm. started a consultancy yeah. um, and uh, co-founded a consultancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did corporate development work there. We also ended up advising. We sort of didn't really start to do this, but we ended up advising people on their strategic options to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and this would be another big lesson that I got that maybe is worth sharing. Is that in, every, in almost every business that I've run across, there is, you know, like a management team, the owners, and then there's a key external advisor. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that key external advisor is a, uh, a lawyer. Sometimes it's an accountant. In one case, it was a life insurance salesman oh. who I met, who was a very sophisticated strategic thinker. Now, that the founding owners owned a lot of life insurance policies, but they had an advisor. And when you bumped into people who didn't have that, yeah. that's when you ended up with, you know, looking at a $2 million business that somebody wanted $12 million for, mm-hmm. or you look, that's what it got, you know, that's when things didn't ever go anywhere uh, because of a, 
uh, or you'd, you'd, you'd look in the organization and you realize that there was an entrepreneur and then there was everybody else who got barked at all day, every day. Yeah. And you couldn't imagine how, if the entrepreneur wasn't there, how they could even get their work done. Um, so having an external advisor turned out to be a really interesting thing that I'd always look for. And so, you know, in some cases, I, I, I sort of planned to be that person or my, my partner, Joanne, would. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, but, it, but having somebody come in from the outside in closely held businesses and, mm-hmm. and say, you know, you could try that. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, uh, <laughs> that's not going to go that well. Um, or somebody says, you know, I want $25 million for my business. So I said, well, I hope you get that. The market is bad. <laughs> right. Yeah, well. You know, and you need to hear that. <laughs> And being that external advisor, that thanks for the plug. I mean, that's how I make my living, you know. Um, and you're absolutely right. Having someone on the outside with that other perspective that isn't a part of the mix, um, they don't always listen yeah, to so the advice you give, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, your client base, do they have advisory boards and things like that? These are really mm-hmm. good ideas yes. to do stuff like that. Have yeah. somebody on the outside. Yeah, very important. Um, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Well, so um, my last question, what would you say that you've learned um, from your entrepreneurial journey, you know, because you've had many different types of entrepreneurial experiences? How has that really shaped you in how you operate today? It's a great question. Um, I think the, the big thing is along the way I became, you know, a believer in business and a believer in entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, you know, I've seen people hustle, innovate, pivot, you know, just create value um, and in all sorts of things. Businesses you didn't even realize existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this idea that, that that business self-interest, you'll figure it out because it's going to be good for the business and good for me, it really does work. And some of my colleagues in my current thing who don't have that kind of background, they've never, they've never been inside that before. Mm-hmm. I mean, we follow Target, we follow Best Buy, and we follow Cargill, and, and you know, it, it, that's just a different thing. But having been inside when you can see how, you know, Plan A didn't work, and it's now March, and <laughs> we're going we're gonna to change. Mm-hmm. We're not going to keep doing that. You know, with that... I saw that, and you come to respect that. You do. And in this last mm-hmm. year in particular, it's been so hard for a lot of businesses, service businesses. Yeah. Um, you know, fitness companies that that own, you know, high-end gyms were suddenly doing Zoom fitness. Yeah. They didn't want to do Zoom fitness. No. But they wanted to serve their customers. Right. And they were going to give it a try. Well, mm-hmm. I respect that. Definitely. Well, n- knowing um, how to pivot, I think, especially in these times, is essential. And it sounds like you've had to do plenty of that. So it's it's just, um, I think it's a gift to be able to empathize um, with whoever your audience is. You know, I'm mine obviously is is the clients that I work with and, and the people who listen to the show. But, you know, I think the business owners so many times feel so isolated, you know, like, I'm alone. Who do I have? Yes, we have advisors, but having someone like you said, like that key person who walks alongside and has their back, I think that that means a lot, especially now, it seems. So, well, Lee, this has been wonderful. We could go on. I'm sure there's so many more stories that you could share. I hope that you'd be willing to be on the show again in the future. 
happy to do it. Wonderful. Thank you for, for joining us today. And for our listeners, this episode will be available for download on the Poised for Exit website at poisedforexit.com, where you can also get a copy of my book. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show wherever you get your, app, uh, your podcast episodes. We truly appreciate your support and hope you join us again next time.